0: everyone uh, tonight we have a a, a special special guest I, when I say a blast from the past <laughs> we we have a special guest for those of us that for those of you guys who um she may be new to uh, this is my sister my friend my partner like you know she all I can say is she loves her people um to, for lack of better words and she loves what people are about she's definitely been a, a a bright spot in my life professor drea cute what, what is,
1: up cute. what's going on thank you for uh, the warm introduction my uh, <laughs> it's,
0: it's been a while it's been a while and Ooh. like i told you this is a different audience a different you know type of vibe and this is more your your speed Um, Some of the people that you like to conversate with, some of our people, and and really being able to be people that uh, don't just talk it, just be about it. So Professor Drea, explain to everyone who you are, like you just popped up and was Professor or who you are.
1: Yes, so um, I'm Andrea, Professor Drea, Um, Brown Girl from Boston, I'm a blogger, professor, um, social worker by trade, so you know I have my bachelor's and master's in social work, um, clinical. So I did a lot of clinical work. Now I'm in the academia space. Just a lover of people, a lover of HBCUs, blackness. So I'm very in touch with my blackness. Um, I always tell people my my motherland, besides Africa, is Alabama. My parents, my ancestors are from this amazing. Um, place, this amazing state, whether you, however your viewpoint about Alabama is, but um, that, that's my roots. I'm just, you know, black on black. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so, you know, explain your, um, your journey as a student and, 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 and with going back to your roots as a, a ancestor of Alabama soil. But being from Boston, explain that journey. What happened there?
1: Absolutely. So I'm going to take it back to the road trips. I'm pretty sure folks who have um, folks from the South, you all took road trips to wherever your parents are from or grandparents are from. So at the tender age of between six and seven, driving to Alabama, my parents are from South Alabama. So we used to have to go through 85. And I used to see the sign that said Tuskegee, at the time it was Institute. And I said, oh, I want to go to that school. And I used to tell my parents, like, I'm going to go to that school. And my parents, like, what does she know about a college or university? So um, I was saying that from six seven to seven. You know, you got to speak positivity. So I remember being in high school. And I'm going to have my lovely book. I read this amazing book called Up From Slavery in my 10th U.S. history um, class. I was in the AP class. And I was shocked because I had a really racist white teacher. Who taught this U.S. history class, but we got to black history. We learned about Booker T. Washington, George Washington, Carver. I was like, oh my God. And then we had to read up from slavery in the 10th grade. And I was like, I, I'm I'm sold. I'm going to Tuskegee. And I remember saying this to my classmates. I played ball. I told my teammates, I was like, I'm sold. I'm going to Tuskegee. I'm applying to that school that I sit. And my friends used to laugh at me like, what, what did she know about a Tuskegee? I applied, I want to say my 11th grade, and I got in, I said, F every school. I'm not going to any other school. I got into Tuskegee um, on a partial scholarship. So I wanted to leave Boston. And why I wanted to leave Boston, because of my parents said, if you're going to go to college, you got to pick somewhere in which family's going to be close by. Um, Boston, for those who may or may not know, you know, I always say it's the, it's the Confederate city up north. Also, too, very racist. They pushed a lot of the PWI schools that's local. I did not want to go to high school part two because a lot of my classmates was going to those local schools. Um, I was already, I always knew about who I was as a Black girl, Black woman. um, The neighborhood down from from Mattapan, which has the highest Black um, home ownership. So that's all I was surrounded with was just Blackness, right? And, you know, people from the South, people from the West Indies. And, you know, I didn't have to go to HBCUs to have knowledge itself. I already had that instilled by my parents. I just wanted to be surrounded by my people and just get the safe space of education um, and also to unsubscribe from, you know, um, what I was educated on. But I had amazing African-American teachers who pushed HBCUs at my high school because a lot of them, you know, was from the South as well. So um, going to HBCU have really opened my eyes up. We learned nothing but Blackness. You walk it on a campus with nothing but history. Tuskegee University um, is the only HBCU that's a national um, historic site. So to walk on a campus in which Booker T. Washington, the co-founder, so let's talk about that real quick. So -hmm. Booker T. Washington was the co-founder. Lewis Adams was actually um, the founder. And how Tuskegee got started um, Lewis Adams had no formal education, spoke numerous languages, former slave. He negotiated with the Democratic Party in, in Alabama to say, "If you want the African American vote, you're gonna have to let me build this school called Tuskegee." It was actually called the Normal School of Tuskegee. So you may hear normal school, you may hear training school. Normal school was to what normalize African Americans into educating others training schools was to train you um to be you know we was one you know fourth one fifth whatever the case yeah. is to train you to be a normal citizen my parents are products of escambia county training school and i remember doing some research and i was telling my parents like do you know all the training schools was actually started at suske university called the rosenwald foundation so it was this jewish um man um named rosenwald he made a commitment to Booker C. Washington to build schools to educate African-Americans um, throughout the South. And my parents was part of, you know, that school system. So, you know, like I said, I I, I knew about, I've been Black <laughs> for 40 years. My parents, you know, going to their class reunions, meeting some of their teachers who, um, you know, was, was actually, you know, um, T.I., T. Tuskegee Institute graduates. Black people in the South, when they know that, you know, you are a Tuskegee University alumni. You are revered. They don't care if you done been the last person in the class to graduate. You are revered. I'm gonna have my parents' teachers come to me like, "Oh my God, your daughter graduated from Tuskegee." I'm the only person in my family to graduate from Tuskegee. I have, you know, folks graduate from Alabama State, Alabama, and great institutions. Um, they have their own, um, you know, his history there. But to graduate from Tuskegee with Booker T. Washington, George Washington Carver, a lot of great um, engineers, scientists, you know, you are heavily revered. So you have to hold your head up high. And like I said, it's black excellence. It's not just black excellence because I'm getting a bag. It's just you are taught by amazing professors. I was taught by this professor, Dr. Frank Tolan. He passed away. He did not teach from any history book. He was he was the wizard of Tuskegee. Now they always said George Washington Carver was the wizard of Tuskegee, but Dr. Frank Toland was the wizard. He taught us so much black history about Tuskegee and other places that you can't find in the book, even in 2023. So I'm very blessed and thankful that I was educated, um, like I said, on a historic campus.
0: Let me let me ask you because you know we always uh, chop it up in our in our interaction and conversation. So on this journey, like, yo, I want to go to Tuskegee. What did you know outside of, uh, up from slavery? What did you know about Booker T? Like, you know, did you know anything about his quote unquote politics, his way of thinking? What did you learn prior to going to school there? Because it's very important that I ask you that because I know it's, I know once you went there, it was like a whole another can of work. What did you know prior, like about him?
1: I knew that he was the co-founder of the school. I knew that he wanted black people to have education. I knew that he had this rival with um, W.E.B. Du Bois, um, you know, who is also a great you know, a thought leader as well, and also, too, from Massachusetts. So I learned a lot about W.E.B. Bois, and also, um, you know, how they had that rivalry, but it was kind of still in alignment of we still want better for Black people, right? Whether it's you being part of the talented team or you teaching these practical skills. Um, and I knew about, you know, Booker T. Washington bringing George Washington Carver to um, Tuskegee and how George Washington Carver had all these 100 plus inventions and you eat peanut butter that's George Washington Carver so I was like man I have to go to this school because of just once again if he can um help produce practical skills with the African-American people why why should I not go there and also enhance my skill sets
0: so now prior to this you, you learning about Booker T learning about his legacy, what he wanted to do. Now you're like, all right, I'm going to go there. I'm going to get accepted. I get accepted. Now I know you know about the quote, the experiment. And what was that like? Hold on. I know. <laughs> well, just tell me the thought process. You was a young, a young uh, woman at the time and just like you go in there for education. But at the same time, you understand, for lack of better words, you're going to be stepping on hollow ground.
1: You know, it, I was sad to hear about the Tuskegee syphilis experiment um, for a number of reasons, because a lot of these farmers, you know, um, still not getting their just due. It happened at the hospital on campus, John Andrews Hospital on campus. Um, even people who were staff and faculty had a direct lineage to some of these folks as well. And and I, I'm always like, why Black people always have to be the experiment, um, especially Black men? And it made me think about the Black men in my family, and how, you know, this could have happened to them as well. Um, but also, too, pivoted to that, I also learned in my classes and my research classes how, you know, Tuskegee Experiment also have cards, um, the IRB. So anytime you're doing research on any humans, you have to make sure that you take a course in IRB that's, you know, to help with are you experimenting on humans you know, are you doing harm? If so, they canceling out that research. That's even that even canceled out a lot of people getting their doctorate degree as well. um So it was still one of those like, "Ew, I can't this can't believe this happened." And they actually have did this to African American men, um, you know, without consent. And then also too is going to that medical apartheid, which everyone should read that book as well because it talks about that. And they even traces back to um, just the gynecological, gynecological Um, issues and experiment that happened in montgomery alabama you know on black slaves on black female slaves so you know um that hospital you know now it's turned into the the largest bioethics center my office is actually located there then they're building another um bioethics center so you know it was a gift and a curse to learn about it and to know that more um you know education is being fulfilled on that a lot of people don't know this either and that same hospital in the Bioethics Center, um, polio was treated in the African American community, right? So um, we just had a statue dedicated to that last year. See, a lot of things happen on Tuskegee, like we talked about the civil study. Then you also had, you know, um, you know, polio being treated and removed in children as well. So I think that, you know, also just open your eyes up to the possibility of black going going back to that black excellence is beyond the bag it's beyond how you look it's like look what our ancestors have done we have the blueprint but why are we not following it and maybe i'm pivoting to like all the way left but you know the blueprint is there it's just we have to follow it having,
0: having some pride of, of understanding like you know we see nowadays a lot of people are mimicking this meme this statement i'm not my ancestors huh we know you're not your ancestors your ancestors had dignity they had grace their excellence, they had decorum. Of course, you, not you per se, but people in general, not following and not, not living up to the legacy that their ancestors left. So a young lady from up north, and, and north is a lot different. Boston, New York area is so different from the south, definitely the deep south, and it's, it's different culturally. So now, boom, you jump on campus. Now, Tell us this campus life and, and, and that experience and how it, it ties into you learning more about Booker T. Ooh,
1: campus life was amazing. First of all, in August in Alabama, is hot as hell. Okay, that part of Alabama, you're like, why did I even sign up for this? Um, I met beautiful Black people all over the United States and internationally. My roommate, shout out to my freshman year roommate, Dr. April Sky. That's still my girl. We still taught from Birmingham, Alabama. And I was like, what is a Birmingham? All I knew about Birmingham, all this Black history stuff. She's looking at me like, this girl's from Boston. So we we taught and learned from one another. Um, you know, it's once you are that orientation, you still like, man, those still my people. I still talk to people I rock with from 2001, my freshman orientation group. Um, and you like, wow, look at all these black people. I'm gonna be in school with and these classes with. We're gonna grow together. Of course, I got homesick. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in the middle of a rural um, Alabama. I'm not rocking with the food, it's hot. Um, and, and going to the museums because I, you have George Washington Carver Museum, which you have to learn facts about in orientation class. You gotta take an orientation class, number one. Ain't no, mm. you just going to English history. You're taking an orientation class about the history of Tuskegee. Once again, I had to revisit uh, from slavery. We have to read the book. We had to go to convocation, which is pretty much, you don't want to call it a, a church service, but you're learning about the history of Tuskegee while you're there, having that spirituality practice. It used to be um, actually required, um, you know, when Booker C. Washington was the, was the president and was also too um, educated there. Like they have to go to convocation, we have to go to convocation. Um, going to the actual cemetery where Booker T. Washington, George Washington Carver, um, you know, all folks who you know you could, all the presidents buried there. You're like, man, I can't mess this up, um, you know, because you're you're walking the steps of so your ancestors. I don't care Booker T. Washington was not my direct ancestor, but you're still part of the Tuskegee University family. Um, you know, football season, you know, HBCUs we have we, we heavy about that football season. And also, too, um, we're one of the winningest HBCU football. Um, yeah, I see you just went to the game. I see you just went to a game. Yeah, we have the Red Tail Classic. Um, we have one of the oldest, um, you know, Martian bands as well. So, you know, the camaraderie there. Then we have Homecoming. Oh, my God. We always have, like, 30000 plus that Homecoming. So, it's just really – once again it's a safe space and yet and this, it's about business too yeah you're gonna have your fun but in the classroom let's talk about the classroom my classroom size was like 25 students or less the student the, your professors back then they will call you we didn't have cell phones they will call you like why was you not in class you know you're messing up you don't want to go back home so that piece that nurturing piece was there not versus when you got a pwi you probably in a lecture hall with two three hundred people they don't know your name. You're dealing with microaggression. You're dealing with microinvalidation. I went to a PWI for my graduate degree. So I'm so honored I went to HBCU because I felt, once again, I left Boston as a girl and I became a woman on campus. Um, beautiful Black men. Oh, my God, from everywhere, from different accents. I've, I've been in New Orleans. I've been to so many, so many different places. Like, oh, y'all got that food. Y'all got that culture. So I'm very thankful I got out my environment. To learn about different subcultures of African American culture, people um, have money. People have maids. I'm like, wow, they got a maid. Some people like fourth, fifth generation legacy of Tuskegee graduates. I thought that was dope. I didn't pledge you know, understanding and learning more about sororities and fraternities, different organizations on campus. So I really learned a lot about, um, once again, subcultures of African American culture. Also, too, like I said, that history piece was there, but also being surrounded by African-Americans, you don't have to deal with um, racism, explaining why you're here is a certain way. Um, yeah, I have to explain my accent because, of course, I wasn't from down south. Um, you got, you which, got a boss, a Boston accent <laughs> in the deep south. I what? know they were exactly. looking at you like, oh, like, where is he from? <laughs> um, you know, really just um, being educated about other coaches, me educating people about my culture, and also, too, like we talked about um, before being warm and, and inviting and also inclusive, right. Because that was important too, as far as what that makes or breaks your stay out of HBCU or on campus, like, man, I don't feel like I'll be wrong. There's a group for everybody, whether it's, you, it's one person or a hundred people, there's a group for everybody. Um, but it's that I, I felt at home and I think so, that's why I keep going back for homecoming. Let, let right. me ask
0: you, because I know this is this is, I think that in my limited research, and I'm quite sure you you definitely can identify with being from up north. We know that Booker T and Booker T Washington and W.E.B. Du Bois, they differed on a lot of levels and they both had a vision for their people. And W.E.B. Du Bois, I believe his effect on majority of Black Americans up north was greatly was greatly affected. And more Booker T, for some other reasons, is not as popular as he is. So when you begin you know, reading um, The Atlanta Compromise <laughs> um, and The Industrial Negro and these type of books and, and, and understanding what he said and his vision for his people, how did that change your thought and in, 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 in process of basically challenging a lot of the values you learn from up north? Because up north, I will say that a lot of times people from up north, they can deal with their racism because it's right in their face. It's not really covert. They see it. And then, like, you know, being from Boston, you ain't going to a section of town. You know what I mean? And and when you're from down that way you may move around a little different than you move up north so explain that how was that that challenge of being like hold up booker t wasn't he wasn't playing with these people
1: um i know a lot of people don't agree with booker t washington's philosophies i rock with it because everyone's not college material you need those practical skills You need those trades. What are we seeing now in 2023? College is expensive. You got another outlet of trades. People with a trade get more money than probably I do. Um, Also, too, is Booker T. Washington once again. You know, people always say, well, if I was him, you was not him. You didn't live in the 1800s. You wasn't. Your father wasn't a white man. That was a slave master. And your mom was a slave. Also, too, he knew how to move. He knew how to get money or the bag from white people to fund what? Invest in Black people. Booker T. Washington invested in Mary McLeod Bethune, which is now what? um, You got Bethune Cookman. People don't know that. Booker T. Washington also, too, um, nicknamed Black Wall Street. It was Negro Wall Street. People don't know that. People don't know that he helped fund North Carolina Central University. You know, they don't know that he started a, a black business league. So people always think Booker T. Washington was just wanting to keep folks enslaved. That's why I tell people, come visit campus. You got this monument that's called Listen the Veil Ignorance. We was ignorant coming out of slavery. When you just say, hey, you've been free. What are you supposed to do now? Right. If you're on the fields and you. You, you know may have been a blacksmith, you may have been this, you may have been that. Why not capitalize on that skills? Every building on Tuskegee University was built by students. And and legit, you cannot tear down any of those buildings. You can, of course, refurbish them. So that's the skill set, masonry, bricklayer. A lot of my family members, older gentlemen in my family, they built their careers with their hands and made good living and passed that skill down to my cousins and other family members, right? Um, so people forget that that um, you know, he you that was the apprenticeship is to build the campus. Um also Do, do, you, think, do you think do you think let me hold oh, excuse me, Andrew?
0: Do you think like a lot of people not really knowing his legacy of understanding, like, yo, you your former slave you got all the skills. Uh, Literally, uh, they couldn't build a house without former slaves. Do you think if, do you think, let me rephrase it. Why do you think a lot of his information is not really
1: mainstream, so to say? I think it's not mainstream because I think people are pushing this. You want to be part of that talented, temp, that elite class. And like I said, I'm part of that class, right? I'm part of that we with the class. I'm part of having multiple degrees and being well versed in my skill sets. And I think now people need to really look at Booker T Washington's values and philosophy because we're we're going that direction. Everyone's not going. Everyone's not college material. Let's talk about that really quickly. Everyone, I always suggest. For students, and I tell people this straight up, if you're not going to college to have a specific, um, you know, if you're not going for a certain industry, then I think you should go get a trade. Um, Going going to college is not for the faint of hearts for people, especially going four or five years, you may come out in debt, right? If you have this amazing skill set, like I say, whether it's all the way from being a carpenter to a plumber, go for it. You know, because you can own your own business. You can take some business courses in that. Um, but I think people need to look at Booker T wash and revisit that again because I think oh he's pandering to, to the white man. People pandering to the white man in the industry in the music industry to these, you know, um athletes, they doing the same thing. So so what's the problem I call like,
0: I, I call, I call it um I call it partnerships. And then when it goes bad, you cry racism or you cry that you was done foul. Um, which unfortunate. It may be it may be some racism in those partnerships right. but then when the when the business goes bad or you don't get what you expected or you feel like you was cheated then you want to use the race as a a way to 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 get the to galvanize the people behind you um it's interesting with booker t like you know when you start reading his stuff you know you'll be you'll be like his 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 thought on education and how through skill training, through education, it could basically develop what we always talk about and actually how we met an uh, economical base for uh, the former Negro, the former slave, as he would say in his writings. Mm-hmm. What what do you do? You, do you think that that part of his vision kind of got missing, where people just got educated and then like you know, deter. And this is me talked about. This, some people get educated, and they start turning their nose down on people that don't don't be educated. Do you think that was the the premises of like yo, you know, really pull yourself up out of? The, I'm not saying pull yourself by your bootstraps, you guys, because that is a sarcastic comment. Mm-hmm. But basically, you know, you got skills like I, I I butcher, even though I don't do it now for a living, but I butcher these type of skills. You can't really. Learn on your own so mm-hmm. when you learn these skills, teach them and put and, and change yourself. What's, what, what do you think about that?
1: Um, I definitely agree with you. I think we got um, our practical skill sets lost in transition, lost in translation because we have this degree, we're going for that CEO job, we're going for that C suite position, we going for, um, you know, whatever position. And now, what, you got to have those four or five years of on-the-job training or, you know, experience along with those degrees, right? And then I think it was a study that just came out as far as with white people don't even have to have those million degrees that Black folks have to have, and they got that in. Um, I know with me being a homeowner, all I see who come to my home fixing stuff around here, I think only got one African-American gentleman has been... um, Caucasian men and I'm like hmm and I always ask them like so you know how did you learn this skill I just went to a two-year school and I think we forget that we have that side to us I also garden I know how to grow you know my own fruits and vegetables you know those are things that I have learned and I have other skill sets as well but like I say, I'm trained to be a clinical social worker, I went to school and invest in that. But also, too, I do have that other skill set to fall back on just in case things does not work out. Right. Um, so I think we lost that because it's like, oh, I got all these degrees. Sometimes I even hear um, some of my sisters be like, well, I'm bored. I'm going to go get my doctorate. You're further in debt. You're only getting paid for one degree. My mother always is telling me that you're only going to get paid for one degree, which is true. You got to still deal with the racism on these jobs. Some people still want to be that only one at the table, right? They're not cultivating other jobs. you Because know, if you have a skill, I feel like once again, you know, and plumbing, you can also create jobs for your family and pass those things down. So I think, you know, people really... Um, Look down on Booker T. Washington, like I said, it's going back to, oh, he was pandering. I don't look at it as pandering. It was he was getting money to invest back into the black community. Um, A lot of people don't understand when it came to agriculture and people who couldn't come on campus. Booker T. Washington had a movable school, which we know what now is remote school. He will go into the community and educate folks on agriculture, having a farmer's market, Um, his wives, because he was married three times. They would each, you know, teach women about breastfeeding, maternal health, hygiene, how to take care of your household. We need those things now because those things are lacking. I'm sorry. They're lacking. You know, people don't know how to cook, clean, even have proper hygiene, right? Um, so once again, is we we need all those skill sets to be, quote unquote, I say a whole adult. Um, it's, as well. it's,
0: it's interesting. It's interesting when you look at, when you look at, his writings, his legacy, and and his vision for us, perhaps if he was not, or perhaps if he was elevated like other thought leaders at the time, we would not probably be in the condition that we're in. Like you said, even back then, everybody knew how to farm. Everybody knew how to grow their own stuff. And nowadays, so many of us complain about the food that we're getting, the cost of our food, when in reality, all you have to do is, <laughs> you know, you could be anywhere. Some people, even would be like, oh, I live in the cold weather. Well, you can still grow your own stuff. You get your own soil. If you know anything about, you know, temperature control, it's so easier now with technology that you can still do it no matter what part of the country you live in. So you graduate from Tuskegee, and now you go to grad school. Where'd you go to grad school at? University of Southern
1: Mississippi. <laughs> and I'm going to tell y'all something. I graduated from the Department of Social Work, my um, department chair, Dr. Taylor. That Black man taught me everything. Everything that he taught me about race relations, being a Black social worker, this day and the third. I have lived it. I was very advanced when I went to go get my MSW. You have to be to go in the deep, deep South of Mississippi. I went there cause I, my, my education was paid for it. I was like, I would go whatever. Um, so I was ready. I was ready for those microaggressions. I was ready for racism. I actually um, helped with a, we had a staging <laughs> at the stadium um, because there was mistreating undergrad students. I'm talking about white people uh, white students was mistreating the black undergrad students that said well you can't sit in this section at the football games and yes we have played i forgot who we played southern miss had played somebody and it was on espn so we did like pretty much a staging it was i was called every name in the book and um so you have to be tough on dawn to go to school in the deep south and at a pwi at that because you only like two thousand black folks that go to pwi's period but especially in the deep south
0: so now you it's, it's a whole nother culture shock because you was in the the warm confines of alabama you got your family's down there now you you wanted tuskegee you you learned more about your history your culture um and and the proud legacy that the freedmen had a lot of people may think oh they just was free slaves and they couldn't do that no 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 no, no, no. they had all the skills after slavery so you learn all this stuff and you, you like, you know, now you're going to, to real deep, deep south in Southern Alabama, southern Mississippi, a country, a I mean, country, a state that's very poor.
1: <sighs> and the running joke is like Alabama said, thank God for Mississippi, because you know, them too, Alabama, Mississippi is always neck to neck in the last of all bad things like education, like you said, economic growth, um, race relations, all that, right? Um, so for me, for, for a black girl to go from Boston, uh, knowledge itself at the HBCU to a PWI, I would never, I don't care if I to do this lifetime again. I would never, I'm glad I went to a PWI for grad school. I couldn't go to a PWI for undergrad school. I wouldn't have made it. Because so, of, back in my 20s, I was definitely fired up. I wouldn't have made it. Salute to y'all who went to PWI for, for undergrad school. I don't know how y'all did it, but I'm glad that I had like my tribe of people. And I used to look at some of my um, friends. I was in this organization called Black Graduate Student Organization. Some of my friends went to Ole Miss for undergrad school. I'm like, you went to where? Ole Miss. If y'all know about the history of old Miss and James Meredith and, and people getting shot on campus to integrate that school. No way. <laughs> I, think,
0: I think a lot of times definitely for some people, it's more of they only see these things on like ESPN, so they think it's as we would say it's sweet and it's okay and it's and it's fully integrated. I mean you're really dealing with the hatred. So now you, you graduate grad school, right? And first of all, let, let, let everybody in the chat know where you work at.
1: So I am an assistant professor and director of field education at Tuskegee University. So my life came in full circle. So I am in my third year tenure track at Tuskegee at my own alma mater. And that that, um, was divine intervention, divine timing. It legit fell into my lap because of my work ethic and because of, you know, just the work that I did as a student, because I wasn't just a student. Like I also, I was in Social Work. I was vice president of Social Work Student Alliance. Um, I helped started the first literacy program at the YMCA in Macon County, which Tuskegee is at. So I was like the program director of that. So I did a lot of dope stuff, a lot of legacy stuff. So I wasn't just a student. And mind you, I was a nursing major first. We have an amazing nursing um, department. But it wasn't for me, and you know, um, when I when I changed my major, that's the best thing. So my life is pretty much full circle. So yes, I'm a professor. So, here.
0: so you know, I, um, there's been some very interesting things that have went on in the world, for lack of a better words, since me and you met, and I can say that you know, with with what went on in 2020 with this pandemic you know a lot of people when it first started a lot of people started making references to to Tuskegee Tuskegee you don't do this because remember what they did to us down there that's down there and we and we talked about a lot did did a couple shows on it and (laughs) how is that experience for you now you're a professor there and you got all this information but you have information of history and information of what's going on in the world and then your personal views of how you th- see things. How is that, that battle of how you try to pass it on to students on how to navigate their way through this journey of life?
1: Um, I always encourage my students to think for themselves and do more research, right? And do what's best for your body. So it's going back to everyone, like I said, everyone should read that book, Medical or time. And think about what they did to our ancestors, what they may have done done to you, you know. Um, when it comes to the medical history, what we still deal with um, as far as black women maternal health, you know, um, black men dying at high rates with prostate cancer. And I'm like, I'm, I'm loving that there's a lot of screening that's happening for black men and prostate screenings. Um, but really, look at ask all the questions because patient has rights and responsibilities. And I want you all to even look at the patients and rights responsibilities that also stem from the Tuskegee syphilis study as well. Um, know what your rights are. Ask questions. What is this, you know, you going to inject in me, whatever the case is. You got the right to fire your physician and get another opinion. Um, so that that's my opinion on it. And I teach my students because once again, you know, being a social worker, but also too, I'm a social scientist. It's a science to this thing it's a science to these experiments, what they're doing on people. If you like to call yourself people of color, but mainly African-American people. Um, So that's why, you know, I have really, and then I I was a medical social worker for a lot of years as well. So I have seen the injustice, even on that level of what they do to African-American patients versus what they do to other patients. We already got a jacked up healthcare system as it is. So you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not advocating for yourself. And I always tell my students, you yourself, be yourself advocate. I don't care if you soft-spoken, I don't care, whatever. Always advocate for yourself. Even if you're on campus, gotta go to the health center. Always ask, what type of testing you running me through? Do they give you a consent form? Uh, what about HIPAA? You know, when can HIPAA be even, I see things about that too. When can HIPAA be, you know, broken? Even thinking about code of ethics, code of ethics when it comes to the in, your industry, whether it's in healthcare, whether it's in social work. Um, I don't think we have enough education on that. Or people be like, "Why was it to the doctor?" Because they got this white coat. They're a guy. They still make errors, and there's still a lot of racism when it comes to just even, um, you know, healthcare.
0: You know, usually, usually, Dre, and I, and I you know, uh, you know my, you know my feeling about HBCUs. You know, I just think that you know. Um what we see some from the product of HBCUs sometimes is a disservice to what those of us that didn't go to HBCU should have been the vision. How do you keep others from being jaded? Like, yo, don't come here. You got an education for one of the most prestigious HBCUs. Don't be prideful and look down on other people that didn't have the opportunity to come here, but understand your place in your place and understand your responsibility to people that uh, you grew up with, people that you, that that live your
1: struggle. I I love that question. I I humble myself every day. And the reason why I say that I am a first generation college student. I am two generations removed from my grandmother and my great grandmother could not read or write. Okay. That definitely keeps me grounded. Um, My mom and my father both have a high school education my dad's the only one out of 10 kids that had that graduated from high school that keeps me grounded and humble every day i don't look down on anybody because people i come from a lineage in which once again hard-working people um they are you know i would say native black to this country you know i could trace ancestors back from south carolina you know one or two of them came from sullivan island that was bought and sold came here in Alabama, okay? So that keeps me grounded. I don't say, well, I got all these degrees and I'm better than anyone. No, because that's just said that I was, and it doesn't make me classy. I am classy. I didn't learn how to be classy in school. But at the same time too, I learned how my parents always taught me to be humble. Um, I give thanks to my ancestors because they actually paid the way for me to be where I'm at. A lot of people invested into my education, uh, whether it's family members or not. And also, too, I tell my students that just because you got a degree, it just means that you um, pretty much enrolled into these classes. You met the credits, um, hours for you to graduate. It doesn't mean you got common sense, but I teach them common sense. It doesn't mean you got better interpersonal skills. I teach them that. It doesn't mean you a better person. It just means you got these pretty degrees on the wall. There's people who got doctor's degrees who work at Starbucks. All right. And life has a way of humbling you too. So I look down on any, I don't look down on anyone. Because once again, I know the struggle of both sides of the spectrum because I was raised by my parents who didn't have the luxury to go to college, but they were they're hard working people and they was able to attain what they attain through working together. But I don't like people <laughs> who like I'm doctors, such and such. Cause I work, I work in that field and I see it all the time. I'm like, but you are a hole, though. You are a hole. you don't have a life. People really don't like you. Your students don't like you. And if you're not a likable person, you're not going to get far in Like, yeah, you may get the bag, but as far as, with you know, quality of life, you know, um, you know, people really invite me to places and spaces. It doesn't matter. You know, like, um, it, I don't, like I said, I work in a space in which people always brag, I'm Dr. Such and such and call me Dr. Such and such. I don't have a doctorate. And a lot of people think I do, but I don't. But it's all about how you carry yourself and all about how you how you educate people and your, your attitude. Attitude is everything.
0: All right. I'm gonna name I'm gonna name a couple things, Drea. And I want you to tell me what you believe Booker T. Washington's view would have been on. Government assistance. I wanna say
1: that it was temporary, but you got the skills to pay the bills.
0: Um, ratchetness.
1: Oh, no. He wouldn't have tolerated ratchetness He was very traditional. Like I say, he married three times. um His wives died, died either in childhood or just from an illness. And with women, there's a place for women, because women also taught women at Tuskegee.
0: Laziness.
1: Oh, he wouldn't have (laughs) taught. Booker C. Washington wouldn't have taught laziness. He would have probably had like a skill set assessment to see where your skills are at and would have put you to work with an apprenticeship.
0: Now I got a real, real good one. You might really get Get on me for this one.
1: Reparations. Knowing what I know now, I think Booker C. Washington would have been pro-reparations. Why I say that? Because once again, um, you know, the investments that he received from, um, you know, Caucasian folks, he invested into the community. And I think he, if he was to see what was going on in 2023, he would have been like, okay, we need those investments. We need those reparations so people can progress forward. But also too, I think it would have been more of a all right, so what's the skills that's going to be attached to it so the money can circulate back in our community also, too, so the money won't end up back in their hands. What are you going to be pouring back into the community and investing?
0: Mm. Interesting. (laughs) You know, because because if you do read his stuff and you look at, like I said, you're from that liberal north and you Mm -hmm. read his stuff, you'll be like, Okay. Now I see why nobody wants to talk about this man because he he really was for um about doing for self, doing for each other, pulling each other up. Um and, and even even if a person for lack of better words understands the talent in Tef, I I me personally, I give Du Bois a little bit of leeway there. I don't think it's interpreted how how he wrote it. And I think people have taken it and they went too far with what he meant by it um so do you think that we can get back to understanding booker t's vision
1: to be honest with you q i don't and why I say that? Because I feel like, as a community, if we are a community, I know we hear so, so many different things about we're a fragment community. I just think that we're far gone from the vision and the philosophy of Booker T. Washington. I think we're back to, honestly, the ignorance stage. Mm. You know, mm. we got the lifting the veil of ignorance. We're back to the ignorance stage. And ignorance and on, everything is out of order to me. Maybe because I was raised traditionally. I was raised a certain way, but um, things are so out of order. It's going to have to take the um, <laughs> intervention, like this whole world, to be reset. Even though they say the pandemic was a reset, it just got worse. It got worse post pandemic as holistic people, as people, you know, with mental health, got worse, substance abuse, domestic violence. Everything on a um, different scale that is just really out of order. So I can't. I can see certain pockets of people uh, with the forward thinking, but as a collective, because I look I like to look at us as collective, I just think things are so out of order.
0: I'm gonna ask you a question. This would be interesting. Um, how you answer this one? What do you think his view would have been on? the influx of immigration and the blanket blackness that goes on.
1: Okay, I love that question. I'm glad we touched on this question. So, Tuskegee University was one of the first schools to actually open their doors up to international students. Um, a quiet known fact, Marcus Garvey was set to meet with Booker T. Washington before Booker T. Washington passed away. Marcus Garvey studied Tuskegee Institute. What Booker T. Washington did at, at Tuskegee Institute, it was going to actually build a university similar to Tuskegee in Jamaica. Um, but of course, back then, you talking about because Booker T. Washington passed 1914, 1915. So back then, of course, um, you know, he was already sick and that, that plan was scratched. So, you know, um, I think Booker T. Washington was open, you know, he was innovative when it came to immigration, but once again, they had to what? Assimilate to black American culture, the culture of rural Alabama, the culture of Macon County. So, I, you know, he was open, but once again, um, I just think that he was inclusive. He was forward thinking and was like, sure, I'll meet you whatever, but understand that we already got the blueprint here that's fine. You're going to replicate it, but also to know who, you know, who was actually the first one to start it.
0: He definitely had a vision when it comes to, um, being being a Black American and understanding living in a rural South. What do you think he would have felt about a city slickers up, no- up north, and and how basically culturally a lot of us left who we were to to chase this myth of up North and this dream of a better life up North. What do you think he would have... He...
1: I think he would have understood the purpose of why, um, you know, the, the Northern migration happened in the 20s because, you know, it was needed because people had to have that exodus from the South because of the lynchings, because of the murders, because maybe someone had took someone's life that night. But I guess to see oh, yeah, they're going for a better life. I think he would have laughed at that, like, for a better life. You know, I can see for protection. I can see for other reasons. But I think he would have laughed and said, well, you can you can do the same thing down here with the rest of us because it's still a high-concentrated, um, you know, Black population in the South versus, you know, up North, especially, you know, the more North you get, like, you know, in the New England states. Um, so I think he would have laughed, but I think he would have understood under cert- certain circumstances because let's be honest, people always think, oh, I live up north. Like I said, I'm a Bostonian. Oh, life is better. It's really not. You just, you got concrete jungles. You got the projects. And a lot of people, um, you know, the the city life really did um, chew up and swallow and spit folks out from the south because they didn't know how to adjust to that. I call it the the hustle culture. If you, you got to be built a certain way to last up north. People think that Oh, I'm from the south, and I can go up there. You gotta be built a certain way. I mean, and it's amazing how
0: many, how so many of us, you know, our ancestors came up north, and they refused to go back down south, um, because they they the horrors, the horrors of their childhood and stuff like that. Let me ask you a question. This is this is a funny one. Uh, what do you think, Booker T? Washington would be doing right now if he had a smartphone.
1: I think that he would definitely be um, an activist. I think that he will be um, galvanizing us as Black folks. I think he'll have more schools. I think the schools will be now digital. (laughs) It'll be more accessible. Um, I think that he will be going in in his own subtle way on, um, on black folks and, and breaking that, that stigma of black excellence. So I think he would definitely, it would have been more like educational based activism based, and also to being that provoked thought leader, but with actions, because it's one, we can all be a thought leader, right. But with the actions behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things that's interesting. Like, you know, even if you do want to look at them, that, uh, gone before us with a critical lens they not only were thought leaders but they they put a lot of things in action no matter what the the outcome or the ramifications of today they did things that was uh suitable at that time like you know you're live you're living and this is why i titled the show you're you're living his vision you're living his vision and his legacy of education and and, and understanding how it's a way of doing for self and being able to provide for your family. Um, any final thoughts?
1: Um, I just want everyone, for once in a lifetime, come visit Tuskegee. It's free to go to all the museums. The museums, um, the Oaks with Booker T. Washington Live and George Washington Carver, they are under the renovation, so they won't be back open to 2025. Um, amazing institution. Yes, it has its flaws. It produced 75% of more of your Black veterinarians, number one in Arrow, um, space engineers, top um, space for STEM. You know, a lot of the Black engineers was produced. Also, too, I have to throw this out there, Keenan Ivory-Waynes is an alumni, Tom Joyner, um, the Commodores was started at Tuskegee. You know, of course, y'all know about Lionel Richie, Richard T. Jones that played in, what was that movie? The Wade, um, the tall, dark-skinned dude, um, the super soaker guy, Lonnie Johnson. Um, make sure y'all study Tuskegee Airmen, Come Catch a Game, Red Tails Classic, uh, which produced the top uh, five-star general um, Daniel Chappie James. And I can go on and on, but there's so many books But make sure y'all read Up From Slavery. Then this is other book that I came across. It was talking about Booker T. Washington and Pan-Africanism. I don't know if you heard about that, Q, but I'm definitely going to invest in that book because I thought, oh, I got to read about that because it talks about his Pan-African views. And like we talked about Marcus Garvey wanted to actually start a Tuskegee in Jamaica. So make sure y'all come and visit. Come reach out to me, too, um, if you want to know anything about Tuskegee, um, even when it comes to omissions, the history, and other nature. Um, but this is a good discussion. I enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> well, we <laughs> well, well, well we appreciate you, and I know that you're always open to definitely talking about your your alma mater. Um, and I know that you you know, you you you. This is something that you take good pride in, and understanding um, who you are, who where you come from. You know, your your tag is brown girl from Boston. <laughs> So you you let everybody know, like, you know, having that pride of being black, having that pride of being, having ancestors that, that literally came from the mud down in Alabama and understanding that we, at one point in life, we took great pride in that and we never turned our back on our ancestors and understanding that literally we stand on their shoulders and, and, and you know, you you carrying your your family's name wherever you go, and you gotta represent, as they say, show up and show out. <laughs> but um, appreciate you, Dre. You know, you always you always yeah. been supportive of me,
1: okay. always been
0: there for me. You know, um, we gonna one day talk about reparations in this space, and <laughs> uh, have a very interesting conversation about that. And we've seen how in the last four years have that how that has changed gotten better may have gotten worse um we've we've been involved we know a lot of people and um realizing can reparations be a reality or just another part in time where it's just talking and just a bunch of nonsense so like i said appreciate you dre appreciate you coming <laughs> on appreciate everybody in the chat for joining us remember like share subscribe make sure you guys like to sh- like the video this is the way that the channel progresses and this is the way that the channel grows. And you know, you guys know, um, you know, Dr. Short will be joining us again soon <laughs> for another show. And, uh, you know, Dre, Dre, Dre is probably somebody who loves her, her Dr. Short from afar. Dr. Short, and I always uh, have to speak of him in these terms. If you know him, if you really get to know him, love his people man i love people that love love our people and really want our people to do well and really want our people to finally get freedom justice and (laughs) equality because that's still on the black agenda (laughs) so drea appreciate you everybody have a great night take care